Blog Talk Radio. Gary Carter, Hall of Famer and former Mets legend. Two and a half million people that were on Broadway cheering for us and celebrating along with us. That's something that was one of the most exhilarating moments in my my life, in my career. Former Mets pitcher, World Series champion Gary Gentry. You don't think about the World Series, you're there. As long as we're here, we might as well win, right? Gary Kuzman. And you watch two, three years down the line, everybody's pitching that way. It doesn't make it right. Nolan Ryan. When you get traded, I think it's that time. It's disappointing that you feel like mainly the organization that you came up with and you really feel a commitment and ownership to them. You probably get your feelings hurt a little. Chris Benson was a big student of the game and studied hitters and video. We're joined by Hall of Fame pitcher Phil Negro. Charlie Huff joining us. Rick Peterson joins us. Live from the internet, it's the Call of Mets Personalities 2016 season. Starring Gene Anthony. Nick Kalidas, and a virtual cult of Mets personality. Welcome to part two uh, of our fine feathered program. Uh, we had a little blog talk radio issue Man. there, so I I was doing some fancy fancy um, stuff, playing off my experience like like a superhero to. Uh, Bring us back to to our faithful listener, <laughs> the one guy now. <laughs> uh, so so we um, when we got um, rudely disconnected, we were talking about accountability um, and talking about uh, Sandy Alderson and you know whether whether he's taking accountability for everything. And and Gene, I was throwing it to you because I um, I've seen Terry Collins fall on the sword a few times, and I also noticed that the media is very skittish about talking to Dick Scott or questioning him, even, but then behind his back, basically, on every talk show you can imagine, everyone's sort of kind of bringing it up. But no one, either Jay is not allowing people to talk to, talk to Dick Scott, or, or maybe there's an issue as far as the relationship with Sandy. How are you reading that? Am I, am I looking too deeply into this, or is this something that's sort of concerning somewhat, at least to you? Yeah, I, the bench coach is supposed to not be seen or heard from anybody but the manager, really. I mean, and it, it, right. like a lot of what Dave was saying about how baseball has changed from the general manager being the person. And, you know, think about the Yankees during Steinbrenner's days. I mean, did they even have a general manager? I mean, you know, it's like – I think so, Gene Michael or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it was a figure. <laughs> right, right. Um, but, you know, Sandy's reign – and the military stuff really strikes me, too, is – part of that chain of command is not questioning orders. And so a Wally Backman just doesn't fit in with that. You know Terry's not going to go out. Terry's never said anything bad about ownership. Terry is, like you guys said, a good soldier. Um, And they are protecting, you know, in that mantra they have, and it seems to work for them um, because he hasn't lost the clubhouse. They they are protecting Dick Scott. And I have to – I mean, they don't even show Dick Scott on camera. <laughs> it's I know. like, I know. you know, but here's the tragedy for me, and, and it really is, having Wally in there would have been really, really good for the Mets to have, because he's good with players, and he understands mm-hmm. baseball, and he's got that Bobby Valentine part to him. Mm-hmm. The worst part of it for me, though, is 
if you would have linked him up with Terry, Terry's comfortable in his own skin. Terry knows he's an older manager. Even if you said, we're grooming Wally to take over for you for one day, Terry could have taught Wally, you know, because Terry used to be like Wally in some ways. He lost his clubhouse. He was a raven lunatic at times. And he's mellowed out, and he's actually successful. It would have been nice for him to be able to mentor this guy and say, look, you can't, you know, hit everybody over the head with a sledgehammer and grab them by the neck because he, he resonates to the players. The players, that's what saves Wally Backman. The players love him. But it would have been nice to teach him about managing and dealing with other people. And they didn't – they either figured they don't have the time to do that or they didn't want to invest in them. Well, well – Gene, just just to harp back on that for a minute. I mean, I don't know if there's ever been an accusation, and I, I just never, at least I never heard of one, where Backman lost the clubhouse. The issue is more upper management, no. where it seems like yeah. Terry Collins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terry Collins though lost clubhouses. I don't think there's ever been a situation I can remember where it's been the management that's had the issue with Collins. It's been, you know, move on and <laughs> and and people like that. And move on is is well known to be a problem. You know what I mean? But it's something right, where the my, clubhouse. My point. Yeah. yeah. My point was he's learned from his mistakes because he went from a guy who lost his clubhouse to a guy mm-hmm. now that players will lay in the street for. And they talk about how Terry is the best manager to play for. And so just his evolution and how he's changed. Yeah, he never – but he was much more outspoken back in the day. And, and my, part, my point there was he could have taught him um, – about, you know, how to follow the rules, you know, how to get your job done your way. Well, I don't know. D- Dave, do you think you can teach a guy like Backman and stuff like that? Or is, because again, I think that you have to, and this is my two cents, I think that you have to be programmed to be able to follow rules to begin with. So, I mean, it could have been something where it looks like Terry Collins has a bit of an anxiety issue. So it could just have been managing his anxiety and being able to read older players well um, that he had to work on, whereas it seems like Wally Backman is just basically kind of one of those guys. You know, he just doesn't care. You know, he's going to do it his way, and he thinks his way is right. Do you feel like it's but, he's teachable, so that kind of personality type is teachable? Yeah, I think the answer is maybe. I, I do like Gene's point that, you know, pairing the two of them together, you know, obviously right, right now the Mets have a winning formula, so you want to continue sure. on with that. You don't want to come in and, you know, a year or two from now, you bring in some new manager that's not a system guy that's got to relearn it or mm-hmm. brings his own thoughts and ideas because, you know, there's a recipe for success and the mm-hmm. Mets are following it right now. I think really where the rub was is you have Sandy is, is, an, is a blue blood. He's an upper crust guy. He's an attorney. Yeah, he was in the Marine Corps, but he was one of these, you know, elite kind of guys that joins the military for a couple of years and leaves. I, I served with them. Wally, okay. he smokes, he drinks. He curses like a sailor. I don't know that he brushes his teeth that often. I mean, he is just a <laughs> down dirty so, kind of redneck guy. <laughs> and, Dave, uh, so is he Rizzo? You know, is, is Wally back with Rizzo, or is he more Colonel Blake? Oh, put these guys yeah. into MASH characters. You, you'd be the best guy to do that. G- give, me, give me the MASH characters each one of these guys actually is. Well, Sandy is definitely Charles, you know, the, uh, the bald guy <laughs> with the fringe hair. <laughs> <laughs> I think, <laughs> yeah, I think Wally is the, uh, the the motor pool mechanic that was only on like one out of every nine shows. That yeah, I would have Rizzo, been Rizzo. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Who's Clarence? Who's 
<laughs> Daniel Murphy. Klinger is Tim Tuffle. No, Tim Tuffle. Tuffle. He he really cross dresses quite a bit. You just don't know about it. It's very, you know. And uh, gosh, who would Dick Scott be, man? Man, that's uh, he's probably one of the Korean oh, guys Burns. that gets killed. No, no, every it's Frank show. Burns. Frank, yeah, Frank Burns. Frank, yeah. Frank Burns. <laughs> you know, you know, guys. Seriously, don't let him be in charge. To pull you away from this mash analogy now. Um, uh, <laughs> I can do this all you know, the time. <laughs> you know, instant replay, instant replay has really changed baseball in terms of the manager that goes – because there's nothing to argue anymore, right? <laughs> you can't run out there and have like a Lou Pinella, Larry Boa, Billy Martin, Earl Weaver-type mm-hmm. moment because there's nothing to argue. You can't argue balls and strikes, and everything else is basically reviewable. So a Wally Backman – you know, you basically have to be in the dugout, making decisions, firing your team up, yelling from the side. But it's like the Wally Backman's type managers just died. We don't have them in baseball. Yeah. Who would you point out? Yeah, I mean, even Bobby Cox is gone. Yeah, you know, the strategically though, that that's where that's where I think Backman would have been useful to Collins and why Collins wanted him. I don't think it was. I think the fire is sort of like a. Secondary no, thing. No, I mean, no, just yeah, having 100%. somebody that is experienced yeah. and has the isn't shy. Forget about Alderson for a minute. Isn't shy to go up to Collins and say, "Don't forget this" or "Don't forget that." I mean, I think Don Zimmer did that for Joe Torre. Joe Torre is, I mean, Joe, Joe Torre is no idiot, but Joe Torre is very good at sort of knowing what um, knowing what he lacks and sticking it in there. And that's, so Zimmer just had one <laughs> one purpose, and he was good at it. Didn't and, stick so it I in think there. that we. Dick will stick it in there. <laughs> well, I think he's happy. I think he, he's, he's got a, a little dysfunction happening, you know. I think we're winning, but we're winning like just like the roster. We're always down a player or two. You know what I mean? I think we're down a coach. I don't think you that know? he's shy. He's, I, don't, I don't think he's shy. I don't know that he has the capabilities. Because a bench well, coach should low. never be shy. Well, he shouldn't, but, you know, we don't even know this guy. I mean, the re, the the fact is, I mean, look at look at the Nationals last year, right? With all those horrible moves that what's his face made, um, um, Matt Williams. He Matt, Matt Williams. Williams, right? They got rid of all the coaches too, because when Matt Williams was screwing up and not seeing things in the, the dugout, where was everybody else? Where was the guy that was supposed to help, supposed to protect him? You know, from from exactly that. I mean, I can, I mean, with all the things going on, I can easily see anybody missing something and that's the point that's why you have lieutenants that's why there's no army set up that has one guy <laughs> the colonel and that's it because it doesn't work you'd get you'd lose so that's my only thing like I, i'm so happy that that sandy's here and i think he's done a one bunch of wonderful things but i do think that sometimes it seems like his emotions get in the way of good decision making and allowing there to be an army like setup <laughs> with people that have power and assistance and things like that well, he's got, a, know, he's got a formula, right? He's he's got a recipe, and you know, and he is loyal. Sandy, mm-hmm. uh, Dick Scott, you know, he was a, a Yankees minor leaguer that managed the A's minor league system. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, Sandy knows him, and he kind of foisted mm-hmm. him on uh, Terry, and you know, but he's a known entity to them. I, I do appreciate loyalty, and I think there's something to be said there. Was it the perfect fit? I don't know. But look. Bottom line, I spent a lot of time on it. Dick Scott is not did not make or break the season. I mean, they had that one kind of brain it fart a couple Lawrence. weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> right. Bro- broke Wilma. Well, that, that was bad. There's always the rallying child. Flores is like our our, our mascot. <laughs> but I will put <laughs> that on Terry. I will, I, 
why Terry was fucking around in there, worrying about setting up, you know, his pitching matchups and all that when you had mm-hmm. the winning run on base. Well, that's that's on mm-hmm. Terry to me. That is, you are out mm-hmm. of the moment. He should have had Dick Scott and Dan Worthen worrying about those pitching matches while he's managing what's happening in the moment on the field. He is the manager. Those guys should be there mm-hmm. giving him the advice he needs at the time he needs it. He took it upon himself with the winning run on base, the tying run on base, mm-hmm. rather, to sit and worrying about pitching matchups in the eighth inning. So that's all on Terry. <laughs> so that's my opinion. Anyway. Well, yeah, I mean, I just, I just would love – you know, it's such a transparent environment in the locker room at this point. Like, I would love to have complete transparency. This way, you know, you kind of know. I mean, part of the fun of baseball is to be able to kind of strategize along with the manager and kind of sure. the more information you know, the more fun it is. And to me, but he's going to um, play along with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just want look. I just what do we want do, guys? all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I just want to hear from everybody. That's the bottom line. You know what I mean? But whatever. It's not. It doesn't. Doesn't matter. Uh, does not matter. All right. So, so let's. Uh, obviously, we got to start to wind this baby down. Um, give me, give me some, some. I was gonna say, give me some surprises this year, but I guess everything is sort of a, sort of a surprise. Give, give me, give me, right. Give me something that you really think is viewed as a surprise, but, but really, intellectually, you just don't think it is. You expected it. Yeah, I'll, I'll start this one. I mean, there was a lot of people that didn't want to bring Jose Reyes back. Um, there, there was a lot of people that wanted him back only because of his former glory. But when I looked mm-hmm. at it, I'm like, this team needs energy. It needs a guy that can field second, short, or third. Um, mm-hmm. It needs a guy that can bring some spark. Because remember, when he came in, that, that team was flat. The team was just, I'm like, what is going on with this team? There's like no energy. It's just everybody seemed down in the dumps. And mm-hmm. Jose kind of started all the energy coming back. And then he played great in the field. And then he didn't hit a little, for a little bit. And all of a sudden he started hitting again. Then he's doing things like hitting game-tying home runs in pressure situations and driving in runs. And they, mm-hmm. they were allowed to make a lineup, which was, you know, a fucking train wreck. And you can put Rays and Cabrera and lock it down. Those two are going to start – at the top of the line of every game when they're both in. And that was something that I think Terry struggled with. He had all kinds of people, Granderson bat and lead off. And, I mean, it was just, he just didn't know what to do with the lineup. Jose allowed him to say, okay, you're going to lead off every day. So, to me, the surprise, and it's not a surprise to everybody, was really the, the number of dimensions that Jose brought to the team and how everything started kind of lining up and going into place. Injuries still happened. We still lost a lot of key guys there became a certain amount of stability and with that came winning and here we are today. So that's kind of my surprise. Um, what do you think, Gene? Yeah, it's funny. The Reyes thing, um, Dave too, is flies in the face of, of the last half hour that we talked about Sandy, right? Cause that's, that's major controversy. And that's what this team has tried to stay away from if they could head it off altogether. And they went right for it and did their homework on him. And he's been very good. Mine, mine actually is Cabrera because, you know, the knock on him was, you know, he's he lost his range. And this guy not only is he's been our best hitter probably from beginning to end all season, he's a tremendous clubhouse guy. Yes. Revit helmets, throwing him to the bat boy. And his defense, I mean, the guy plays a tremendous shortstop. I mean, he's, he's his most home runs for any shortstop in Met history and, you know, and Cologne. 
I mean, <laughs> another guy that mm-hmm. perfect guy to have on the team. We knew what we were getting with him. We were going to get a number five guy, number six guy, go to the bullpen when Wheeler comes back. Now he's our number 1.5 guy with the most wins on the team. <laughs> Any way you slice it. And so just, you know, in Cologne too, like they throw him in the Miami game, and he's got the, you know, you know he's, he doesn't do the wrong thing at all, and, you know, it cost him a start. You knew that it got rattled um, with the D. Gordon stuff, and, and just it, he's been my biggest surprise as well. So those two guys together really have really helped this team in a number of different ways. What about yeah, you, gotta, what were you out on this? Oh, Reyes, Reyes. I, I couldn't – I mean, I understood why people um, weren't comfortable with him, um, even though, look, maybe if I knew exactly what he, he had done, I would have been more uncomfortable as well. But the fact that I heard people saying, giving me baseball arguments <laughs> against bringing him in, or people even on um, – you know, people that are paid to analyze these things kind of going, well, we don't know what he'll – give, you know, maybe we're hoping he can make the team sort of a thing attitude where I'm thinking, I know he's obviously um, decreased from, you know, talent-wise from where he was less when he left, but what? <laughs> you know what I mean? This guy is still, has has never, um, his skill set has never declined to the point where he wasn't a major league player, and we were starting quadruple-A guys on the infield, and we needed a third baseman. The guy had a great arm. He always had a great arm. He, I just didn't see how there was any chance of this not working out from a baseball perspective. I just was concerned about there being such a, such a push if he got off slowly from the media and from obviously people, because we all, no one agrees with what he had, whatever is that, whatever he is that he, whatever he had actually done. Clearly, it's something terrible, and it's something that, um, from a personal standpoint, you know, would make me extremely uncomfortable to even be in the same room with him. I'm sure, but. Again, it's baseball. This is not um, – these guys are not choir boy, boys, and they're, a lot of them are just awful. You know, a lot of them are. And Reyes – you could even see physically with Reyes how what Reyes has changed since he's gotten here. You know, because he got here, he almost looked like – man, he looked like he'd been living outdoors for, for three years. I mean, he just – his beard was down to his knees practically, and he just looked <laughs> – this was not the same guy physically. And all of a sudden, it's like his hair is getting shorter. He's getting that smile Fair coming form. back. and. Yeah. Yeah, it's just wild. So, like, you know, regard like you put the action aside. You know, people. You know, sometimes people have the issues in life and they crack. And you know, I wish that this guy didn't crack in that way for sure. But the thought that he was not going to contribute from a baseball perspective, I just thought I didn't see it. So that, to me, that would be uh, that without a doubt. That's the one biggest uh, biggest thing that I just but, don't feel. Well, you saw him. At all. You know, you, and, you, and this game is so mental. You, you saw him, yeah. and I saw him in Colorado last year. Mm-hmm. He looked yeah. like he lost three steps. He looked like unhappy. He looked, he looked like he wasn't even playing. Right. He was awful. I said he's washed up. I mean, and it, it, once you put the positive stuff back in people's minds, I mean, that was before all the drama. Mm-hmm. No, well, I, yeah, if I mean, you look at but, the numbers, you know, the, the baseball arguments that I heard, you know, were, were exactly that. Gene. You know, you look at him, he didn't look good. He didn't look like he had the spark. He looked like he had the interest. You know, for a guy that relies on his legs, his legs were creaky. Um, you know, the, all the stable nutrition, you know, the statistics were down. His on base was down. His power numbers were down. He was becoming kind of like Derek Jeter, you know, where you're slapping ground balls all over the place. <laughs> if he's making contact at all. So I, I did see the numbers, but I definitely felt 
as a, I think he's 33 or 34. I think that, I'm like, that guy's got like three years left in him. He just needs to be put in the right situation for success. He needs to feel it. He's a guy that plays on his emotions. So when he's down, he's going to play down. When he's up, he's going to play up. Bringing him back here uh, on a team he loves in the community that supports him uh, in a place where he had a house and he's got some roots and his baseball roots. I mean, you look at him now and you listen to him. He is joyful. He's playing like Willie Mays as a kid. It's just mm-hmm. so great to watch, and I, I'm thrilled. Uh, but I like Bartolo Colon, great story. I mean, Addison Reed, great story. Familia continuing his success. You know, you have the disappointments like Conforto, who we all thought Conforto was going to come in here, be a 25 home run, 80 RBI guy, and just lock down a position in the outfield all season long. And, you know, it's been a disaster. Same with Darno. You know, you want him to get healthy, and then he came back healthy last year, and he went on his power surge. This year he comes back and he looks like a shadow of himself. You know, so there's those disappointments. But then you flip side, you get Duda. You know, Duda wasn't even supposed to come back. Now, holy shit, the guy looks good. His swing looks as calm and relaxed and as compact as I've ever seen it. And I love the fact that when Duda came back, Loney started hitting a lot more. So you just have all these good energy around the team right now in this long lineup. So I'm excited. You know, there's been some wonderful surprises, many disappointments as there's been. Yeah, let me let me just let me touch on that real quick. Conforto, um, Darno, I have no idea what's going on with Darno, but do you feel as though um, they gave Conforto a chance, or do you think that they might have mishandled him a little bit by not or not letting him work this out and making this into a bigger deal than it actually was? Yeah, I'll give a quick one. I'll turn over to Gene. I do think the leash was a little too short, and I think it got in his head. And that is a kid. My daughter's twenty-four. And I know how emotionally, uh, you know, short-fused these kids are because they don't have that veteran experience like a Granderson. Shit, Granderson struggled for five months. He's like, it'll come around, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the leash was just a little bit too short. I disagree a little bit. Yeah, I disagree just a little bit because I remember him just going up there and swinging at every single pitch, and they weren't – punishing him by sending him down. They were getting, like, they knew what they had in him, and they didn't want him to go into a Frank type state. It seemed like they were like, go down there and work it out. <laughs> it was a okay. little peculiar, though, when he, like, when it was time to come up, like, they prioritized Nimmo, and I don't know if they were showcasing Nimmo for trading, but, you know, it, it goes back to Terry's mantra from last year, if you hit, you play. And so there's really, once they got Jay Bruce, you know, trying to figure out where to put Conforto. But that's been a, a – I, I almost think – and, you know, he was talked about being such a good guy and a wholesome guy. I almost think, like, they were – there was another element of, all right, calm down, kid, because, maybe you know, maybe he said something or – there was a comment Terry made about guys having to learn how to manage, like, their emotions in the big league or something. And I don't know if he said or did something. I don't know if any of you guys have heard anything, but um, – I think it was more, well, you know, go ahead. I will say this. I will say this. You guys know I've harped on this before. Conforto's a rich kid. He is a rich kid. That's a kid whose parents have money. His mother was an Olympian. His father played professional football. Um, and he's a successful businessman. He's a rich kid. And I think with these rich kids, when they get in certain scenarios, they don't have that David Wright humility or that ability to kind of, reflect and, and sit back. It's kind of like L.J. Mazzilli. You know, these guys are just make, they make some poor decisions based on, a, a, I think, a different grounding maybe than the three of us have as kids. 
So I you think, think that's part of Har- Harvey's issue too. I think so. I think there's something there. I think these are old school guys, and baseball has a certain set of rules and parties, and you get these younger guys, and Bryce Harper had it, and they just do or say things that just don't sit right with the older folks. I'm not saying the older guys are right. You know, you don't have to get off my lawn, but I do think that, you know, something was said or done maybe more than once that led to Conforto falling out of favor a little bit with the upper management. You know, I heard the same thing. I just wasn't sure if they were talking about Conforto or they might have been talking about uh, Darno. Because, I mean, let's say, you know, I, mm. there was some comment about somebody not working hard enough or not treating things seriously. And, uh, yeah, I thought that was Wilder, Conforto, they, they, something like that. Conforto. Yeah, the thing is, they don't, they didn't, yeah, they didn't say who, though. No. Well, they didn't say they who, though. The thing is, they, you really think so? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they definitely left it, it to, to people to imply that, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, did they ever say it was Conforto or it's sort of assumed it was Conforto? Well, the reason it was assumed, because it was said, like, right after he got sent down. <laughs> it was uh, in the Daily News, like, like the next oh day. And there was all these, like, right. guys sent down, so it made it pretty obvious. Wow. Well, that's a drag. Well, why would they say that publicly anyway? I mean, if they think the guy doesn't have the, the makeup to, to pull this off. Maybe they thought off, he needed it. Kind of like, I'm sorry? Maybe they thought he needed that a little bit, you know? Picking the ass. Yeah, but aren't you hurting his value a little, a little bit by throwing putting that out there? I think they believe in him in the long term. They don't want to trade him. They w- I mean, I'm sure teams were asking about him. They want to make sure he develops. I mean, um, hmm. I suppose. So. I mean, you know, I guess that, that's the thing. We don't know everything. And uh, I always wonder sometimes when they, they aren't transparent, but yet they're transparent a little bit. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. usually things are, are done for a reason. So I, I love to figure it out. And, of course, there's no, there's no real way to. Well, um, I, yeah. I, yeah. I was going to say, let's last, last put a bow on that. I do think the Mets yeah, are sure. very good about keeping things under wraps in the clubhouse and, and you know, not airing their dirty laundry in public. So, uh, you know, as, as much media scrutiny as they're in, I mean, the slightest little thing, you know, the, the media guys are going to jump on it. So, you know, I don't think it was that Yeah, not on a related you know, note. Or, yeah. Like, yes. when, you, when you guys, I don't know about you two, but when I, see, when I see Jay Horowitz now, all I can think about is him coming on here last year and saying, you guys have no idea how close we are. And all of us are like, this guy has, he's been drinking the Kool-Aid so long, he's, he's drunk with... They've got him brainwashed. This team is nowhere near playoff ready. And he was, like, just very adamant about, you guys are not getting it. We're like, you're not getting it, old man. Come on, step in line with it. And now when I see him, I'm like, there's a little fathead genius right there. That guy is a genius. (laughs) There's a great Uh, photo. If you guys haven't seen it, if you guys haven't seen it, there's a great photo. And I'll send it to you on Twitter. Um, Who sent it out? I think Vaccaro. Of Jay Horowitz just getting pummeled with beer in the clubhouse yesterday, okay. and he's, uh-huh. the quote is, "This will replace the Willie Mays catch as the most iconic baseball picture in history." And Jay Horowitz <laughs> looks like a total dweeb. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> uh, man, that's that's. Uh, I like Jay. Uh, you know, I, I like Jay. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's um. He really does grow on you. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my Lord. Um, all right, guys. Well, I guess the next thing up is um, is Thor, Thor against uh, against someone on Wednesday. Um, you have any? Um, you wanna, yeah, you want to make a, a prediction um, 
one way or the other, um, whether it's the Cardinals or the Giants, what you think is going to go down and, um, you know, what you think is happening. I think the Giants are going to lose today. I think the Cards are going to win. I think you got Mad Bum tomorrow. And then, because uh, I just checked Cueto's on two days rest today, and I think we're going to oh. see Cueto on Wednesday, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be an epic, epic game. And I will predict the New York Mets to uh, come out on top of that. Jeannie, what do you think? I see the same exact thing. I mean, how how could you not see that? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'm uh, I'm I'm optimistic about you know as long as they can rain Thor in a little bit, make sure that, you know, he's, he channels it. I, I was very glad to hear, believe it or not, that he had strep throat because a start he had where he was sweating in the first inning, I said, he doesn't look right. Um, and that yeah. was just an aberration of being sick, but um, we have it lined up the way that it doesn't matter who we face. We have it lined up. Um, what happens after Wednesday? I don't know, but I'm fairly optimistic for Wednesday. Well, um, what if it's uh, St. Louis? That makes me nervous. Um, I think that they should figure out a way to hit Molina in the head in the first inning. Um, <laughs> I, I'm kidding, well, the chin. Well, what if he Wainwright? Um, what if he Wainwright? Because Wainwright pitched yesterday, and he's he pitching today. Crazy. No, he pitched yesterday, right? No. You sure? Uh, yeah. I thought he pitched yesterday. He hasn't been doing so well, though, right? No, he's he not pitched, really the same guy. He, um, yesterday was uh, Waka. Waka, Waka. Hmm. Ah, Waka, Waka. waka. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So they're doing, um, they're doing Who him the hell today. Who then? Yeah. They would throw Martinez. Okay. Unless there's that playoff game. So if you're, if you, I would like them to play another game. I want to see them traveling all over the United States and, and then come into New York on Wednesday. But knowing the Cardinals, it'll get rained out and they'll get a chance to rest everybody up because, you know, things seem to work for them. No other team can you jump over the fence and take away their home run and they still win the game. Ah, that was such crap. (sighs) Well, is anyone really surprised? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's it's sort of, uh, sort of the way, isn't it? Um, I, but it's funny though. I will say one, one last thing. I mean, I do, I mean, I mean, of course, I, I'm guilty of having expectations at this point. So I, I hear everyone when they're talking about house money and all that jazz, and uh, I can't. I, I want to now. Now that we're there, I want to win. I want to win real bad, and um, I, I just don't think. I mean, maybe it's both of you guys too. I just can't see myself having that kind of. Well, you know, they did well. They really tried, and like you know, that kind of attitude. Um, if they lose, because I'm sort of expecting them not to. Um, I think I have expectations that they're going to win either one of these two games, regardless of whether or not um, they're facing Bumgarner or anybody else. And um, I have weird confidence against the Cubs, too, which is sort of, you know, I I, I don't know if you guys like to check out um, message boards and game threads and everything for from other teams, but that's one of the things that I really I really, really like that sort of thing. And um, one thing that I notice is that Cub fans – um, most of, not most of them, but many, many, many of them are really afraid of us. They just don't want wow. a piece of the Mets. Yeah, it's like that same Cub defeatist attitude where they're just seeing the uniform. And, you know, the reality is that we, it is a lot of the same 
personnel. I mean, it's not the pitching, but, you know, they got done in by the pitching and the hitting. I mean, they, they yes, it was Daniel Murphy, but it was Cespedes and everything. Like, they, we annihilated them. And outside of Murphy, um, well, even this year was a four game sweep. Yeah, they never had a lead. And then this year, when they yeah. came to New York, they got swept again. And then in Chicago, yeah. they didn't sweep us back. I mean, they won, they finally won something. But, um, you know, the, the Cub fans do not want us. And so I can see a situation where if we win, like, the first game or something, all of a sudden it's complete panic. And uh, they are the Cubs. Are they? I have some expectations. Are they? Are they? Are the Cubs fans? Are they afraid of Dick Scott? Has that been uh, <laughs> a message towards it all? <laughs> what do they think about our bullpen God. coach? Um, you know, <laughs> the thing is, Nick, if we, if we had if we had Harvey, that. if we had Harvey Degrom, Syndergaard, and Mats, mm-hmm. that oh, would be you know that would be so different. And I, that was oh, my, my God. Yeah, my, my my plea last year was, and my nephew, he's, he's 19, and he's really now he's really in, he's locked in. And okay. I'm like, pitching beats hitting. Pitching beats hitting. And mm-hmm. that was the mantra. And, I, you know, anything can happen in the Cubs series, but when if the Mets get to a seven-game series, it's not going to be fun. It, it's Because it's not that – if we only had Syndergaard, like the Giants only had – but we know what else we had. And that's going to be the mm-hmm. tough spot of, oh, man, this is, this is hard. We lost two number one starters. It wasn't like we lost our solid three and four. Mm-hmm. DeGrom and Harvey are number one guys. Conceivably, well, yeah. Syndergaard's your third best. True, true. But, but here's the thing, right? Pitching beats hitting. But mm-hmm. we the Cubs have pretty much the same pitching they had last year. You know what I mean? And Not with uh, they, um, their, their best guy this year wasn't there last year. Well, hmm. I mean, I, look, statistically it's hard for me to make an argument that they're not. Better. They have a closer um, now, a real closer. They're, they're, they're a very, very solid team. There's, uh, Dave, tell me a weakness that they have yeah, the other than didn't emotional. Come, the closer didn't come into play. Wait, no. wait, the closer didn't come into play last year. So if, it's a, you know, if you're comparing apples to oranges, well, and they had, they had yeah, some we, decent starters last year. They don't have any blow-away guys except for our, they had, Arietta has the Yeah, they had Arietta. And, yeah. and Lester, that was it. Right. I mean, now now they have those two guys. And what's his name? Yeah, Hed, Hendrick, um, their best pitcher. The guy from Young for them. Right, right, right. But I mean, again, it's not like he has a. Yeah, but he doesn't have a tremendous um, pedigree behind him or history behind him, where it's almost like we can say, well, look, look how great Lugo and Gazelman have done. You know, like obviously he's done it for more months, but he's. It's not like you're facing, you know, Kershaw. You know, he doesn't His earner average is 1.99. He's 16 yeah, and 8. Yeah, That's okay. good. That's good in a lot yeah, of leagues. G- um, isn't Gazelman 240? <laughs> I don't believe he's a 240 guy, but I mean, it's I. That's reality, though. That's what he actually is right now. Nick, Nick, yeah. Nick. Serious. I, I mean, hey, I'd love for in, in two weeks. I'd love for in two uh-huh. weeks you call me to tell me how wrong I was, and that would be awesome. <laughs> but this is this is. This is a guy that, you know, is in the Cy Young Award running, you know, just like Arietta. Arietta's last year, mm-hmm. last yeah. year, that was the only time he did it, but nobody was saying, ah, who knows, you know, let's put, we were nervous putting Matt's up against them. We didn't yeah, even but, go, let but, alone See, start. everyone was waiting, though, in Baltimore, everyone was waiting for Arietta to kind of, for it to click. This this is sort of like a, this is, this guy is doing it and with a different, uh, you know, skill set. 
I mean, I'm not saying he's not good. What I'm saying is that we can also apply similar logic to Gazelman and Lugo and kind of feel like, well, they're performing this well now. No one really expected it, but all right, you know, so you're right. So maybe he'll be great, but maybe Lugo and Gazelman can also be great for a little while. You know, we don't need them to be great for long. Just, just a little no. bit. Just a little bit. I get, I get that. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, it's a good um, spot you know, to just, be in. Just, yeah. Isn't it now? Um, before we split, um, you know, I don't want to kind of leave on a kind of a maybe more of a down note, but I think it's, Gene, especially since you're in Florida, it's something that I think we should bring up. I mean, give me, I mean, your take on what what happened with uh, Fernandez, and if you can, do you have any sort of insight as far as um, the realities uh, down there, as far as people speeding at night and stuff like that on the, on these boats? Because obviously it's a huge tragedy, but. Um, I, I know a little bit of that Florida mentality down there, and I'm curious if this is sort of like a a, a, a widespread issue of people being reckless on on these boats. And, and overall, what are people saying down there? Well, I mean, because he was, you know, a large Cuban community down there, it's more of a. I don't think you can match it to anything geographically. Right. You know, even if the you know mm-hmm. Italian was killed, and this is big for the right. cultural part. It was right. it was horrible for me, in a, well, not for me in a sense, but that's the only games that I get blacked out of New York. So I have to always watch the Marlins version mm-hmm. of that, that right. series. It's the only series other than mm-hmm. games of the week. And so right. you hear not – it was like a three-day funeral. And it was, it was bad. Getting back – I mean, obviously it was bad, right? So getting back to that point right. is, I guess – yeah, that is the culture down there. You kind of feel like you're safe on boats, even though it's it's like um, snowmobiles up 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 in New York. Uh, you always right. hear about somebody getting hit by a train, and you say, "How does that happen?" And it's just it's speed, right? Uh, right. You guys obviously heard that Osuna was supposed to be part of that. He wanted Osuna to go with him. Yeah. I'm very surprised there wasn't another Marlin with him because very gregarious guy, um, and it was his boat, but he wasn't really. That it was a true accident because the way that the weather was and that that jetty gets covered like you can't see it very well. So mm-hmm. in the pictures, it looks plain as day as there's a pile of rocks there, but at night it's very hard to tell apparently. And so there's always caution like right there. But I'm very surprised that he didn't have somebody else with him from the team. He had two other friends, one that he didn't even really know. But um, yeah, they, you know, guy did everything fast and hard. And so, you know, part of it was he lived life on the edge and, you know, coming over from Cuba and being on a boat and jumping overboard to save a woman that was drowning, potentially drowning on her way over from Cuba, which happened to be his mom. And he didn't know it. The guy had like, you know, he was going to get the most out of everything. Right. And, you know, that's it. really, regardless of how good the guy was, it's just terrible for, because we saw it with the Ojeda. Um, the accidents right. on the on the boats, and, you know, feeling, and you do feel kind of invincible. You're out in the open air, you, you know, and that was his getaway. That was his just be free. You can't fly, you know, but you can get on a boat and just be free. That's uh, that's that's a huge huge shame. Um, I mean, Dave, do you have any? Um, I mean, uh, this obviously <laughs> we all have the same sort of thoughts, but I mean, do you have anything you want to uh, you want to add to that? I, just, I I do want to, you know, and it's been obviously covered all over the place. I just think the Mets yeah. handled it extremely well. 
Um, I think there's a true kinship there. I think it was, and this is not me saying this, I'm just paraphrasing, it was Terry Collins' finest moment as a manager. Because I think at the end of the day, you know, we're all human beings, and the magnitude of the loss, uh, both in the Cuban-American community, for the team, for baseball, for National League baseball, was just so enormous and so shocking. The one thing, and I almost don't even want to go here, but you remember, you know, he was supposed to pitch on Sunday, Fernandez. And, mm-hmm. you know, finally skipped him over to Monday, you know, to do his part to, you know, be in a part of the playoff race. Um, but, gosh, I just hate to think that, you know, if he was pitching the next day, he probably wouldn't have been out there. Um, not blaming anybody for anything, but, you know, what a shame. But I, I think the Mets handled it uh, with a lot of class and a lot of grace. And that was one loss we had, which I, I really didn't mind. It. I was kind of rooting for that home run. Once I saw it clear the wall, I thought uh, I teared up a little bit. Yeah, it's wild. I never, I never had a game um, where I was rooting against the Mets before. But uh, and I wasn't necessarily rooting against them, but I, I definitely, I felt good when the Marlins won because um, I thought it was right. You know what I mean? And uh, that's a shame. It, it really, really is. And it's, um, you know, the one thing that I took from it is just being thankful that. Um, that I made it through my 20s without hitting <laughs> hitting a peer, so to speak. And I think, uh, yep. you know, sort of a lot of it's just luck. You know, we all do stupid things sometimes in life, and uh, it's just about trying to yep. not die. <laughs> it's kind of the, the entire meaning of life comes down to just trying not to die, you know. So, um, so yeah, it's, that, it's that's what animals do. More than a... Animals do two things, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to Africa in February, so I was asking my friend, you know, she's been over there a lot of time. I'm like, so tell me kind of like Africa and the animals. And it's like, to this day, animals do two things. They eat and they try to not die. <laughs> and that's all they do all day long. They look for food and they try to not die. I'm like, okay, that's an interesting perspective. Uh, yeah, it's funny. Like, we, we sometimes think that we're incredibly evolved, but when it comes down to it, that's <laughs> isn't that sort of the point? You know, just, just yeah, that's, that's sort of it. Just eat eat and procreate and die. don't die. <laughs> yeah, and not die. <laughs> That's sort of it. Oh, Lordy. All right, guys. Well, is there anything else you want to add or should we uh, wrap this baby up? I just want to oh, say that I really appreciate, you know, everything Dick Scott's done for the team this year. And, <laughs> you know, his immense role. I, I hope he gets a ring. I just don't know what's up in the air, whether he gets one or not. But, you know, wait, I'm a you, wait. wait, so you, you think that, that Dick – Deserves a ring? Should should they should <laughs> there should be a ring on the deck? Is what you're saying? <laughs> you should have a ring from. Uh, good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I swear, if you stick me with with just mash re- references and and just Dick Scott jokes, you got me for four hours worth of fun and games. So it's uh, a <laughs> little, little, little clue into my personality type. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love that. All right, guys. Um, yeah, it's been fun, and uh, hopefully we'll reconnect again um, after after we win the wild card game, which uh, clearly we're going to do, right? Next Sunday. I think we are. Yep, next Sunday. Let's do it again. Yep. Love it. Thor, Dave Singer, Gene Anthony, myself, Nick Kalidas, and all of our fine feathered friends. We are the cult of Mets personalities. We're here every six months, <laughs> or hopefully more than that, uh, on 